Blog Talk Radio. This is power. This is tradition. This is Talladega. The biggest party in NASCAR returns October 12th through 14th. Bring the whole family out to Talladega Super Speedway for the Kid VIP experience. Kids 12 and under can choose from a number of great options behind the scenes, like guided garage tours, pre-race photo ops, and more. This is more than a race. This is Talladega. This is Spencer Boyd, driver of the number 76 Grunt Style Chevy Camaro, and listen to the Pit Stop with Tim Despain. Nation. I'm Tim Spain alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com. It's Mr. Stephen Wilson up in the Commonwealth of Virginia, and he's batting down the hatches this season. They're getting ready for that big Hurricane Florence coming in there. But we've got a big show planned tonight. But before we get everything started, let's bring on the official Reverend. From out there on the West Coast, my good friend, Mr. Reverend Joe. Reverend, how are you doing tonight, brother? Oh, we're doing okay. We're doing better today than we were doing yesterday. But um, we're getting there. That's ten four, brother. Did uh did I let you know about Rowdy's wife? Yes, you did. And been praying for Rowdy all week and uh that's a tough thing. I've been I've been through that so it, it's not easy. Yes, right. Just like Suzanne and I talked, uh, I could not imagine it. Uh he asked me to do his show last night and I couldn't I couldn't tell him no, so I did his uh his uh, Red and Mac like show last night and uh with with his co-host Chi-Town Mark and uh, his other co-host Jeff, and we had Scott Scott Reeves, Reeves from JD Motorsports come on, and I I think it went really really well. You know, I just uh, I well, I, good. I no, couldn't tell him. No way he'll have a show to come back to. Yes, sir. That's right. Well, how's everything um, out there on the West Coast, bro? All right. Well, the weather's great, and we're getting ready Thursday. We're gonna head out Thursday to Vegas. Um, we had planned on going tomorrow, but we've had too many doctor's appointments and other crazy stuff. But um, I'll see if I can't kick up some trouble for you to report on next Tuesday. And also tell you, you've got to stop being such a coward. When your phone rings and you don't know the number, answer it anyway. Yes, sir, 10-4. I can't remember. You know how I am. I'm just a busy young man from Talladega, brother. I'm sorry, Reverend. Sure you are. I keep try, trying to figure out how I ever had time to work. Having been retired now for like 15 years, I don't know how I ever had time to go to work. I know. It seems like uh, especially what you've started doing, started doing the uh, the ministry and all that and traveling to uh, to uh, various racetracks, even though uh, you know some of them might not be NASCAR tracks. Some of them are like home tracks and local short tracks there, but uh, – you're staying very, very busy, too, Reverend. Well, most of the time, fortunately, this year I've had some health problems. Uh, and fortunately, it's not fortunately I had health problems, but fortunately the couple of tracks that I cover that they expect me at the most 
I've got a really great assistant who helps me, and also the track that I like to be at the most only runs like every other week, so makes it a little easier. Yes, sir. I definitely understand. Reverend, go ahead and let's get the uh, let's get the prayer going and get everything started, brother. Let me crank this up for you, Lord. We thank you so much for all you do. We ask extra blessings on Rowdy this week and this year and for the rest of his life. As a loss of a spouse is never easy. Any loss is tough. We remember on this 9-11 all those that were lost that day and have been lost since, defending our country and trying to keep us all out of trouble. So bless all our soldiers. Bless all their families. Bless all those that are waiting for them. And please, Lord, bless everyone involved with auto racing. Keep an eye on them. Watch over them. We thank you for a safe weekend we just got through. And we ask you to make every weekend a great one. And I ask you personally, this weekend, those that you want me to see and those that you want me to talk to, don't let me walk past them without paying attention. And we thank you for your son, who you allowed to die for our sins so we'd have a clear path into heaven. And in that name, Jesus, the Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen, Reverend Jeff. Reverend Joe, as always, great invocation, brother. Let everybody know if they can follow you on social media and your website, my friend. I'll go ahead and throw out the website. It's on track with Jesus because I've been visiting it. <laughs> if I can just remember the darn access code, I can change some things in there, but I've got to call them up and ask them what my access code is. It's on track with Jesus.org or .com, and I 
email is ontrackwithjesus.org. I'm sorry, ontrackwithjesus at AOL.com. Phone number is 951-232-7630. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at Red Joe Bubbico. And same on Facebook, I believe. Um, we're going off to Vegas and trying not to cause trouble. And I'll tell you one thing. Vegas has the best flyovers in the world. It's Craig A. Air Force Base, or NOST, rather, is right across the street. And those guys are practicing all day and all weekend. So you get a great flyover there. I'll try to record one for you. Thanks, Reverend. Yes, I was fortunate enough to go out there back in 2009. And, I, you know, like you said, NOST Air Force Base is right there. It also, along with Carol Shelby's museum is right there too but reverend yep. uh before we let you go uh uh i know you 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 said the invocation and and all but uh on this uh 17th anniversary of uh of 9 11 uh, i want to thank all the first responders and uh everybody that did what they did at the at the at the world trade centers and reverend before we let you get out of here let's have a moment of silence since i got everybody on mute yes Okay, Reverend Joe. Reverend Joe, thank you again very much. Tell Miss Betty we said hello, brother. And I'll talk I to you next Tuesday. I think talk to you next week. I think we Okay, I think we're still gonna have the show. I got a business trip to go out of town, but I think I'll still be able to uh, do it. And I might be doing it by myself because Stephen's gonna be up there. I'm hopefully he don't get washed away by Hurricane Florence. Yeah, hopefully he's not swimming or treading water by then. So God bless. I'll talk to you next week. God bless, Reverend Joe. We'll see you, brother. That was Reverend Joe there. Uh, let's go ahead and bring on my sidekick before I got. I got. A, I got another call. I got Chi-Town Mark wants to come on too. But let's bring on uh, my good friend, CEO of SpeedwayDigest.com, which is uh, up in the Commonwealth of Virginia. He's uh, getting ready to fight this hurricane for us. Let's bring Stephen in the pit stop. Tim Spain and Stephen Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Stephen Wilson, I got four crews out of Central Alabama. Let's corrupted headed your way, brother. I don't know if we, I don't know if we're going to send any or not, but they're headed your way. I think I lost Stephen. Stephen, can you hear me, brother? I might have lost him. Let's go ahead and bring on uh, Shatown Mark. Wants to wants to come in and say a few words. Shatown Mark, how you doing tonight, brother? Well, Tim, I'm doing well, and I. It's always great to listen to your show and get a chance to, to reciprocate. I just wanted to thank you for from Rowdy and I for helping us out last night, my friend. Uh, it was a it was a more than you realized. Well, you're very welcome, Mark, and uh, it it was an an honor to do that uh, with you with with you and I there and Jeff. It was a uh, it was it was a really good show, and I want to thank you. I want to thank you and Rowdy and Jeff for giving me the opportunity to do that. That was. I had fun, especially when we had Scott 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 Rivas come on. We had a blast, brother. Oh, we 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 had we had a good time last night, considering the situation and and the somberness of the show. We did have a good time, and and I have to, uh, 
uh, it's just comfortable working with you, and, and we got through it last night, and it was a big success, and I know Rowdy was happy with it. So, uh, yeah, he wanted me to give you a quick shout and, and say thanks. We, we appreciated it, Tim. Mark, you're very welcome. And it's, like I said, it's always an honor to, uh, like I said last night, probably two or three times, I didn't want to do it under the circumstances, but I think you and I held up pretty well doing it. So uh, I want to thank you for holding your composure too, brother. It, it wasn't easy last night, was it, Tim? No, sir, it it, it wasn't. And uh, I guess the good Lord, especially when we had Tommy Strickland come on uh, and say the prayer, I think, I think he sort of blessed us. And I think the good Lord helped you and I get through it along with Rowdy getting through it also. So, you know, I think I, I have to agree with you on that one, Tim. Yes, sir. And our yeah, prayers to go with Rowdy. And, you know, you probably heard Reverend Joe there. You know, he uh, he actually went through the same thing. Well, it's an experience a spouse is going to, you know, sometime in their lives probably deal with, be it, you know, the, the wife or the husband. And uh, it's, it's just inevitable. And uh, my heart goes out to anybody who has to deal with it, Tim. Me too, Mark. And just like you and I, like I keep saying, I cannot imagine – having to go through it but like you just said we're we all got to go through it we're dying every day so you know there's there's no stopping it's just a matter of time whenever our number comes up we're gonna go bro unfortunately there's no permanence here on earth so we just have to go by what they give us and hope it's uh, uh you know longer than we we anticipate and uh uh, it was a really Reverend Joe's invocation, very nice, and, and last night's invocation, and and I know it touched Rowdy deeply. So uh, we we appreciate uh, those thoughts, and uh, I'll let you get back to the show, Tim. All right, Mark, thank you very much. I'll throw you over on the over on the mute side if you want to listen. Fine, if you want to get off, fine. But thanks again, brother, and thank you for the very kind words. Okay. I really do appreciate it. You're welcome, Tim, and uh, I'll work with you anytime. Any time at all, so <laughs> it was great. Thanks, we pulled it off. And, uh, we'll uh, we'll listen to the show for a bit. Thank you. All right, thank you very much, Brock. I'm going to throw you over and meet. Shout out to Mark there from the Red and Maglite show. Uh, the number to call in is two one five three eight three thirty six eighty one. I'm Tim Spain alongside SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. Coming up here shortly, we've got one of the old school races, one of the very last Alabama game. Mr. Hutch Strickland will be joining us. I know we got a lot of questions to ask him. And, uh, Stephen, can you hear me, son? Yeah, man. Sorry about that. We've got this storm coming through, so I had somebody calling me on the other line. I had to take the phone call. Um, so everybody up here is trying to get uh, get prepped for this storm, and I'm getting phone calls from, you know, people, you know, um, my family members and stuff like that and trying to get this all straight where we're all going to go what we're going to do so uh yeah sorry about that being a little uh delayed tonight that's all right brother like you text me you know you're gonna be you trying to batten down the hashes are y'all gonna try to ride it out saver y'all gonna move a little bit further inland oh that's the plan at this point we're gonna we're gonna hold this thing down at least until the fact that um you know it drives us out of here one way or another and you know that's what i was um, just talking to somebody with about you know where we're gonna go and uh, i talked to my dad earlier i talked to my mother she's already headed towards the mountains and um you know 
So, you know, we're 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 trying to figure out what we're going to do and I think we're all going to go up to we go up to my grandmother's house cuz she lives uh she lives uh way outside of the uh the uh the 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 storm surge and flooding area. So, just trying to all coordinate what we're going to do, where we're going to go, what we're going to bring, what we need to do. So, I mean, it's uh Every, every time a hurricane comes through here, you go through the same routine over and over and over again, and sometimes it hits and sometimes it doesn't, and sometimes you got a nice sunny day out there, so you never know what you're going to get, but you got to go through the routine every time. That's right, brother. And like uh, like you and, I, you and I always say, uh, I, I, I worked at Ice Storm up in Paducah, Kentucky back in 2009 with uh, my local co-op here, and uh, when I seen Jim Cantori, on the TV when I got up there, I knew it was probably going to be bad. You hadn't seen Jim hanging around up there, bro. No, he hasn't showed up here yet. Um, there's some talk that he's either going to be in Virginia Beach or he's going to be in the Outer Banks, and we always say when that guy shows up, you know that all hell's about to break loose. <laughs> That's right. And, Stephen, I want to thank you for calling in tonight because I know you got a lot going on. But um, uh to let everybody know again, the number of calls is 215-383-3681. I'm Tim Spain alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com. Mr. Stephen Wilson and the Stephen Drops, y'all. He is trying to batten down the hatches from Hurricane Florence. It's coming up here shortly. We've got Hutch Strickland going to join us. Uh, I know you and I have a lot of questions from, for him. But, uh, Stephen, we uh, we had some breaking news coming out of Levine Racing. Levine Family Racing just within the past hour. Stephen Casey County is going to miss at least three more races uh, from that bad heat exhaustion or heat stroke, whatever he had up there at Darlington, brother. So it sounds like sounds like sounds like Casey ain't feeling good, bro. Yeah, um, he, he was talking just uh, I guess last weekend at Indianapolis and uh, or right before Indy, and they said you know uh, that he was going to be out at least last weekend through Indianapolis, um, and. He said with about a hundred to go or something like that at um at Darlington he was having a hard he was having uh, he was having a hard time keeping his eyes open he was having a hard time concentrating out there and that he thought that he had done everything that he could do to um, keep the you know his water to intake and hydration level up throughout the week but you know he missed something somewhere. And uh, you know that that he he did go to Enfield Care Center. He said that he had IVs put in both arms. He took a couple bags of uh, fluids. Uh, thought it go away in a couple of days. And heading a few days day before Indy that they had to leave out of there. Found out that you know that he was just still suffering from the effects of it. Um, for him, it's um, um, you know for him to be out of this. Um, I, I think that's good. I think that drivers are now starting to come to the. Uh, to the conclusion that you know, uh, you know, it, it's better to be out of the car. It's better to not put other people in danger. It's not good to put yourself in danger. Um, this is a trend that we've seen over the last 15, 18 years uh, within NASCAR itself. That you know, drivers don't feel like they need to be in the car um, every single race. If if they're sick, if they're injured, if they've got other things going on. Uh, obviously, for a title contender like somebody like Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, or Martin Truex Jr., uh, it's a little bit harder for them to say, "Okay, I'm getting out of the car for you know three weeks, four weeks, whatever the case is," because then they're not in that title hunt anymore. But I think drivers outside of that, um, 
and and even so, you know, Kyle, uh, Kyle Bush wrecked a couple years ago um, in a extended series race at Daytona, was out for a while and then got a waiver. Um, even uh, even he uh, even he recognized that he shouldn't be back uh, in a car before uh, he was ready to go. And you know, Stephen, just to let some of our listeners know, you and I were at the uh, Bojangles Southern Five Hundred. Uh, weekend before last, and it was hot. It was hot, damn it, brother. I mean, you know, just standing outside, there was no, there was no breeze, and I can imagine how hot it gets in them race cars. You know, you and I have talked about it before on several different occasions about some of the some of the teams and sort of uh, Fox and NBC. They 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 put a thermometer uh, right behind the, the right the right side of the driver's head, and sometimes it gets up way up 130, 140. 140 degrees, and even though the drivers have a cool suit on, and like you mentioned, Casey Kane and all the drivers, they try to hydrate all during the week. They drink Gatorade water, and you know, you and I spoke last week when we done the show live from Tybee Island that some of them lose up to 18, 12 pounds during a during a race, which is water weight, and it's from I don't know I don't really know the whole deal with uh with uh Casey Kane but uh I'm pretty sure he he did everything that he could do but you know he he did mention that he's been having a little trouble over the past couple of years about going through some of these heat cycles in these races and I'm wondering you know I don't know I'm I'm not a medical doctor I don't know how to figure that out but you know it it seems to me like um I don't know what the deal is but he did admit that he's had that issue with the heat for the past couple of years, Steve. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, just some about what you were talking about is that, yeah, some of these drivers, they, they do various different things. They, they wear these cool suits. They have air conditioning within their helmets. They have ice bags that are put inside, put inside of their suits, uh, throughout the event or hand it to them. Um, but you know some of these things are you know as you get into a race if systems start failing um your cool suit's going to be the first thing they turn off the air conditioning they turn that off uh you know some of the other systems into it the fans inside of the car the fans outside of the car fans inside the engine anything and everything they can do so you know that that exacerbates an issue that you not only have inside of the car, but you you as a driver itself. I mean, most of these drivers now are wearing um, three to four layers of Nomex in, you know, on their suits, um, or you know the equivalent of Nomex because some of them use a, a different material out there. Um, but you know it's hot in these cars, and you know you go through the you go through this time of the year, you go through where it's uh. uh, uh, uh you know, uh, 90 degrees outside. You go to the Southern 500. It's very hot out there. They've started closing the cars off, so very little air is moving throughout the car um, for various different reasons. From uh, from a drag standpoint, from a downforce standpoint, from various different standpoints, that you're just not getting as much circulation within the car anymore, and all these things just you know build up and build up and build up. And we've seen these temperatures, as you were saying, build up into the 140s. I saw it one time, I think it was about 145, 147 degrees in one car at Pocono. Um, 
or maybe it was Andy or something like that, but it was during our summer stretch. Um, you know, these cars get incredibly hot. These drivers that are in these cars, they, they lose a massive amount of, of water weight throughout the weekend. Um, and, and it takes a massive amount of time to regain that weight back um, throughout the next week. So for them, um, you know, it, it's very imperative. You know, we talk about how many different drivers are out there and now have personal trainers. Uh, Josh Wise, who was a former driver, he, you know, he he's now a personal trainer for a lot of these guys that are getting in these cars. Uh, he's done these marathons, these Ironmans, all these different various um, uh, tough mutters and you, know, you name it, these, these endurance-style events. Um, and he's now starting to work one on one with with uh with uh drivers themselves. I mean now drivers are starting to get nutritionists now drivers are starting to get dietitians they're starting to do all these things that you know uh, are to to get their to get their body at peak performance throughout not only the week but the season and all the stuff that they're losing the electrolytes all the other minerals within your body and uh try and prevent these uh, these things from happening. And, Stephen, let's go ahead and bring on our guest. I'm pretty sure he has a lot to talk about as far as the heat and how how the cars change. Excuse me. How the cars change. And uh, one of the last members of the Alabama gang, uh, the 1987 NASCAR Day Series champion, let's bring Hutch Strickland into the pit stop with Tim Spain and Stephen Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to rumble! Mr. Hutt Strickland, thank you very much for taking time to come in at Pit Stop with Tim Spain and Stephen Woods. How you doing this evening, brother? I'm doing well. How about you guys? We're doing great, Hutt. And uh, you might have heard Stephen talking about, we were talking about hydrating. Uh, you know, uh-huh. uh, it's a lot different than what it was back whenever you come through there uh, as far as the cool suits and all that. But uh, as far as uh, planning for a race like uh, like the Bojangles Southern 500 or, uh, you know, you actually raced at uh, – at uh, Willsboro, uh, can you talk a little uh-huh. bit about how how hot it got in the car back then? Which I know things have come a long way since you've been out there, brother. Well, they have come a long way, but but it's still uh, you know it's still uh, you know somewhat like it was even back in the day when I raced. Uh, you know the cars, uh, uh, you know now they get a lot of stuff uh, from NASA and stuff doing put on the floor pans of the cars and stuff to where they resist the heat, but uh, you know, still uh, over time, you know, over the period of time, it'll you know, the car will still reach 140 degrees plus in, inside them, and uh, you know, it's the same way it did did back in my day. Um, you know, we still had to be in shape. Uh, you know, the good drivers who was in shape always, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, seemed to do well at the end of the race, and uh, you know, and 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 the mechanics that done a great the best job on the cars keeping them cool inside was always the ones that you know had to, had the drivers that was in good shape at the end of the race so uh you know both went hand in hand 
Exactly. And a hut, uh, back in the day, like you mentioned, that's Chocolate Meyer's favorite saying there too. But <laughs> back in the day, you know, things have, have changed. Uh, NASCAR has implemented a lot of safer, safer barriers. The Hans device. Did you ever, you didn't ever get to wear the Hans device. Did you, uh, Hutter? Was it implemented back yeah, then? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, I, I, I used one the last couple of years I raced. Um, you know, pretty much uh, right after, you know, Dale got killed, it was pretty much a, a full, uh, you know, a rule with NASCAR. All of us had to have one. And, uh, uh, you know, I retired in 2002. And, uh, but, uh, you know, it, it was a deal that, uh, you know, I, it was a uh, a must for me, period, uh, especially, you know, if you ever had a wreck with one and without one, uh, you know, you'd, you'd make yourself want to wear one whether you, you know, regardless of how uncomfortable it was, but for the most part, uh, you know, even when I raced, uh, you know, they'd got them where things was comfortable and you didn't realize it was even on or you was even wearing anything like that. And, uh, you know, it was always nice to have something that, you know, controlled your, you know, your your head and stuff like that when, you know, in an impact. Yeah, that's right. And I don't want to uh, – I know Stephen Wilson is he, – he's big in this save, save the speed with they. They're trying to bring North Wilkesboro back. But uh, your first race was in 1987, Holly Falls 400 there at North Wilkesboro. And I mm-hmm. actually worked for Enoch Haley here at Tyler Super Speedway. I had the privilege of working for, for Enoch back when I was in high school. We'd all check out the school and sit up in the Union 76 balls and spot and all that. But talk a little bit about how uh, how how Wilkes, Wilkesboro was. There's a lot of our listeners that probably – you know, the only, the only time that they'll see a race at Wilkesboro is if they YouTube it or something. But that is, that's – Wilkesboro is a big place in history with NASCAR. And, Hut, do you think we need to try to bring Wilkesboro back along with your rocket hams and stuff like that? I think most definitely. I think NASCAR needs to look at uh, going back to the Wilkesboro's and rocket hams and, uh, you know, the, even the, the Nashville Fairgrounds racetrack and uh, – you know, some of the places like that, uh, you know, they need to start back at their roots and, and get their fans back and then, you know, and then go back to the to the big league stuff like we're doing, you know, for the mile and a half stuff if that's what they choose to do. But, you know, they got to go back and capture the fans somehow or another. And, uh, you know, it, uh, you know, those racetracks, uh, you know, are what really, uh, you know, ignited the fire in the fans and, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, really got them going and got them involved. You know, because they could get so close to the cars, they could get so close to the drivers, and uh, you know, and, and they could all relate to that. Uh, you know, going to North Wilkesboro was like going to, you know, watching a race at at, at Hickory Motor Speedway or, you know, the old BIR, uh, you know, Birmingham. Uh, you know, it was it was it was races like that that fans could relate to, and you know, and then when you get to the mile and a half and you know two mile racetracks, it's it's so hard for fans to relate to that from. You know, uh, you know, from back where you know where the where the where the races started, and you know where they come from. You know, from the smaller racetracks, and, and it, when it evolved into the big stuff. Uh, you know, you got to get back to the stuff the fans can relate to, and that's I think that's what uh, what it's going to take. That's right. And Hut, you have, you have raced for some of the biggest names in in the Cup Series. You drove for mm-hmm. Jimmy Dunleavy. You drove for Junior Johnson. You drove for Travis Carter, the Stavola brothers. Can you just talk a little yep. bit about, you know, I know that's a broad subject, but just sort of talk a little <laughs> bit about that if you can. 
you know, I, I guess I was fortunate, unfortunate enough to, uh, to, to drive for a, a ton of people. Um, wish it wouldn't have been that way. I wish I could have been with Jim, like a Jimmy Johnson, you know, got with one owner and stuck with him and, and, uh, you know, and one sponsor and, uh, you know, finish run my whole career with the same one, but, you know, it wasn't meant to be and was, you know, wasn't, uh, I guess I somewhat like Bobby Allison did, uh, you know, when, when, uh, you know, you wanted to win and you, you was willing to do whatever it took, even if it took, uh, jumping ship and going somewhere else, you know, you, you always looked at wanted, you know, going somewhere where you could thought you might could better yourself, no different than uh, a person in his daily daily job and, you know, works a, works a nine-to-five, eight-to-five job. Um, you know, if you think you can better yourself, then, uh, you know, then, then people move and jump. And But uh, for the most part, that was basically uh, somewhat what I did back in my day. You know, I was fortunate enough to, to drive for Bobby Allison, um, you know, drove for uh, Rod Osterlin, a guy named Skip Janey, who originally gave my start back in 1987, uh, you know, who I'm forever grateful to. But, um, you know, it gave me a, gave me a break and I was able to run, you know, my first cup race in, in 1987 at uh, North Wilkesboro. And, uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, was able to go on drive for Junior Johnson, Kenny Bernstein, uh, you know, um, Junior Don Levy, some of, you know, some of the top car owners in the, in the business. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, unfortunately it was, uh, you know, exception for Bob, exception of Bobby Allison, uh, you know, like Robert Yates once, once told me, he said, huh, he said, your timing's off. He said, uh, you know, you, you, you you went, you jumped when these people was, was, you know, was, was going out rather than coming in. And, uh, you know, it, it was a deal, uh, you know, you know, I thought I was doing the best thing at the, at the time. And, uh, of course, the way it turned out, uh, looking back on it, uh, you know, I wish I would have stayed with Bobby Allison, uh, you know, because I felt like, uh, looking back on it that, you know, Bobby and I had a relationship and still do this day, you know, we get along great. And, um, you know, I, I feel like that, that deal could have evolved into something because we had, you know, not only being family and uh, everything, we just had a we had a co- pretty cool relationship there. That uh, you know, who knows what it could have led to had we all, had we both stuck together and uh, you know finished out uh, could have you know maybe finished out my career there and who knows what it could would 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 have would have uh, led to you know. That's right, brother. And Hunt, <laughs> my final question before I hand you over to Stephen. Uh, your real name is not Hutt Strickland. Uh, can you can you let everybody know how how, how you got the name of Hutt? Or am I, I don't want to put you on the spot, brother. Well, I tell people it's a long story, but um, uh, basically, uh, you know, it, 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 it's my real name is Wayman. Um, I'm a junior. My dad was dad, dad was named Wayman. Um, we uh, we. Uh, um, you know, I grew up working at a salvage yard with my dad, which my dad and mom each owned one down in Alabama. And uh, it was a deal where uh, everybody in the salvage yard uh, that come in there, everybody that worked there or whatever, always got nicknames hung on them. And, and uh, actually, uh, my dad got a nickname hung on him. It was called it was called Big Hut, and my, I was called Little Hut. And over time, uh, they... they they started calling him, calling him Big Head, and started calling me just reg, just call started calling me Hut. So uh, it was kind of a deal that uh, you know it just kind of 
everybody started calling me that. And uh, <clears throat> but it's kind of cool too, you know. I went to I went to high school. Grew up I grew up in Collier, Alabama, and um, went to high school there. And went to uh, you know, uh, of course, first grade I was in, or first four grades I was in Midfield, Alabama. But um, I went by my my real name, Wayman, and uh, <clears throat> everybody in school knew me as Wayman. And uh, when I got out and started racing, nobody knew who Wayman was. They all, you know, they they all uh, they they knew Hutt, but they didn't know Wayman. And uh, <clears throat> it was always kind of cool when I went to you know places that, like Talladega, Atlanta, and, um, you know Darlington, places like that was closer. Uh, you know Daytona, places was closer to Alabama. That uh, you know I'd hear people from the grandstands holler out, "Hey Wayman!" And I always turn around because it was. It was always chances are it was always somebody I went to school with because they was the only one knew me by my real name. So, uh, but that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, and again, uh, I want to thank you very much for taking time to come on come on our show tonight. And uh, I know your time is limited, but we would like to get you back whenever you have time. But uh, thanks again, Hut. I'm gonna throw you over to SpeedwayDigest.com, Mr. Stephen Wilson. And uh, again, brother, appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate you having me on. Sure do. We'll get together again for sure. 10-4. Thanks, Hutt. Thank you. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate you taking time to come on here tonight. First question I got for you is, is that when you're coming okay. up to the 80s and 90s, a, a, a lot of these cars look like something that you could go to the, the, the showroom and you could pick these things out. You know, you knew it was a Ford. You knew it was a Buick. You knew it was a, a Chevrolet. You knew it was whatever the make and model was, uh, just by not only looking at it on the track, but, you know, something that you could identify, you know, easily on the showroom floor. What do you think mm-hmm. about the way that, you know, as you were going out in your career, this is, you know, how NASCAR and its team started moving to very highly precision-engineered machines. Um, they didn't necessarily look like anything that you could either buy on a showroom or know readily on mm-hmm. the racetrack other than a symbol on the front and back of the car. Um is it time that NASCAR starts and these teams and the manufacturers start looking at the getting back to something that fans can identify with? Well, I think that would definitely be a step in the right direction without a doubt. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know how we do that. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, um, um, they, I think now, uh, thanks to, uh, you know, all the engineers that's coming to the sport, uh, the mechanics has gotten so smart. Uh, the people who work on the cars have gotten so smart about the aerodynamics and stuff like that. Um, you know, it, it, it would be like, uh, well, let's say let's let's take a, a 2018 Camaro and let's <clears throat> let's go back and let's okay now we're going to start running 57 Chevrolets. Um, uh, you know. Well, um, okay. Now that we've done learn how to build a, a, a 2018 Camaro, and we know what what it takes and how you know what it takes to make that run, then let's take and apply all the stuff to the 57 Chevrolet, and and uh, you know, and I think over time, within a matter of a couple of years, we're going to be right back where we were. Uh, I, I don't know how we, uh, you know, I said this say this a lot. Uh, I, I don't know how we go back and unlearn some of the things that we've we've already learned. Uh, you know, it, it's virtually impossible because uh, 
um, uh, you know, the cars have gotten so um, uh, just extremely, uh, you know, um, tactical and, uh, you know, the aerodynamics is just, you know, every single thing on the cars are, are about, you know, aerodynamics and, uh, you know, they don't work on the chassis anymore. They work on the aerodynamics. And um, um, I don't know how we go back and do that. Um, you know, I wish somebody could come up with an idea how we do that, how to do that, uh, because I think getting back to a car where people could relate to and getting back to a, uh, you know, <clears throat> whether it be a Chevrolet, a, a Ford, or a Toyota, or whatever, we, you know, we, it would be cool to go back to a race. And, you know, i never forget in 19, uh, 1970 or 71, 72, early 70s, when, you know, I went to Talladega for the first time. And, um, you know, I, I walked up on up in the grandstands over to O.V. Hill. We used to have tickets at the O.V. Hill section. And <clears throat> we walked up the top row, and I looked out there, and I seen all those cars sitting out on pit road. Uh, you know, and and, I, and even as a kid, I could, you know, eleven or twelve year old kid, I could look out there and I could see the difference in a in a Ford or or a Chevrolet or a Dodge or whatever was out there. Uh, and now, you know, you look out there. I don't care if you're a, um, you know, how smart a guy you are about cars. You can't uh, if it don't have Toyota road on it or Chevrolet or Ford. You don't you you can't tell the difference. Uh, you know, just. Uh, because there's not any. Uh, for the most part, all the templates are the same. The overall template stuff the same. And if it ain't, it's so close, it ain't even funny. And uh, you know, you just it, it's uh, you got to get something where uh, people can relate to the cars. I, I think that's uh, I think that's a big thing that would attract them, uh, you know, to to the sport that we don't have right now. In uh, in the late nineties. And um, in early 2000s, you you finished um, both second at Darlington and uh, 13th and 14th at the Brickyard. These are two really incredibly, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and and these these tracks have not gotten easier over time. Um, We saw a little bit better racing this past weekend in Indianapolis than we've probably seen in the last couple of years or so, and NASCAR's trying various different things. But just how tough are these two tracks being crowned jewel events like they are? Um, well, Darlington's a racetrack. It hasn't changed since it was built. It's It was tough when I raced. It was tough before I raced, and it's tough now. Um, you know, it takes 110% concentration every single lap of every single corner, um, you know, to keep it out of the fence. Uh, especially now, the cars are going so fast. Uh, I went there last weekend, the first cup race I went to since, uh, basically since I quit driving in 2002, and, uh, you know, I could not get over how fast the cars were running. It was just, you know, there's, um, their corner speed is just, it's just, it's just amazing. Uh, the straightaway speed is, of course, when you get through the corners, you go down the straightaways faster, and, uh, you know, I couldn't believe how, how well, you know, the cars uh, you know, just the speed of them, and uh, but uh, you know the, the racetracks are still as challenging as they was, probably more so now. Um, you know, because they're going faster. Um, you know, but but also the cars seem like they're more uh, more stable now than they were. And uh, you know, I think somehow or another NASCAR needs to look at getting the cars, 
um, get them where they're not so stuck to the racetrack, uh, get them where they're, you know, where they got to put them back somewhat in the driver's hands. The guys got to drive the cars up and sit there and, um, you know, um, you know, where they're stuck and, uh, you know, glued to the track. And, uh, you know, they, they got to, they need to look at somehow getting the, you know, the front ends up on the cars, getting it doing, doing away the splitter on the front. I've never been a big fan of that. And, uh, especially when you see a car run through the dirt and then they say, well, okay, he's fixed and now he's got his splitter knocked off. And, you know, a guy runs through the dirt, you know, uh, that was used to be exciting. Uh, you know, when you seen Dale Earnhardt or Tim Richmond or, you know, some of them guys back in the day go through the, go, go through the dirt, make a pass through the grass. And where now the guy goes through the grass, he's done. And, uh, it's just, uh, the cars won't take it now and they got to get them back to where, you know, they're not so finicky and, uh, you know, where these guys, if they need to make a maneuver like that, they're, you know, they don't, they don't, uh, <clears throat> they don't wipe them out in the process, you know. Well, Hud, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here tonight and talking to us a little bit about, uh, you know, your career and, uh, you know, NASCAR, uh, over the years. And before we let you get out of here, um, let us let us know uh, how anybody can you know keep up with you on social media, any type of racing that you're doing uh, or appearances. And uh, again, thanks a lot. I appreciate you taking time to come on here. Well, just just follow me on Hutch Strickland Seven. That's our, that's my Twitter account. Uh, I, I personally take care of that every day, and uh, um, you know, keep up. Uh, you know, we, we we've got uh, my son races too, uh, Taylor Strickland, Taylor Strickland Seven, and. Uh, um, you know, keep up with us, and you know, uh, I crew chief for Taylor now, and you know, on his Super Lake model, and we, uh, our next race is sometime in November at South Boston. So, you know, we're, um, you know, we're, we're just, um, you know, um, you know, still, still in the in the in the racing scene, just a different level, and uh, you know, we we enjoy it too much. We we grew up in it, and and want, would like to continue in it, and. and uh, you know, it's just it's a fun deal, been good to us all our life, and we're going to continue it. Thanks a lot. You have a great night. You too, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, I appreciate it. Uh, yes, sir, buddy. Anytime. Punch Strickland there, Stephen. A uh, lot of insight there. I'm some of the some of the roads that you went down asking him about uh, about how to get the cars back to looking like a uh like like you always say, uh, win on Sunday, sell on Monday. And he said the same thing. Back in the nineteen seventies when he come here to Talladega sitting in O V Hill uh there, he he could look and he could tell the car. And now, like he mentioned, he was at Darlington first time since he quit racing. And uh he, you know, just I'm jumping off subject again here, talk about how fast the corner speeds was but he said, if you did, if you couldn't look down there and see Toyota, Chevrolet, or whatever written on that car, I mean, and getting the splitter off the car, we've talked about that for a long time. How do we fix it? Uh, that's going to be NASCAR's deal. And like he mentioned earlier too, some of the some of the pans up underneath the the uh, cars, they've worked with NASA to sort of sort of keep the air out from under them. And I think Hutt made a real good point there. Uh, Lift that car back up, take that front spoiler off up, get some air under that car, and let that driver drive it, bud. 
you know, that's something that's been suggested several times over the years or, you know, in the last handful of years since these cars have gotten lower and lower and lower to track. And now you go to a place like Daytona or you go to a place like Talladega, and, I mean, they literally pin these cars to the racetrack. The entire underbody and the travel rate on these cars are set up so that they don't move at all. Um, the chassis isn't moving. The suspension isn't moving. The cars are you know, pinned um, to that racetrack to keep the air from flowing underneath of them. That creates an aero effect on these cars and, you know, the body designs at the same time. Now I'm no engineer. I, I, I don't understand engineering more than, you know, the man on the moon some days. But, you know, in, in aspect, you've got to get some drag back into these cars to, to get them closer together and to cut that aero effect down. Um and by pinning them to the car, I mean, there's no air movement to, uh, uh, you know, underneath and around that car. So it just creates that effect of, uh, you know, dirty air behind it. And, you know, with that, you were seeing drivers or teams or, you know, leaders, top two, top three, sometimes just break away from these packs by extraordinary uh, amounts of time. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, yeah, there's a lot of things that I think NASCAR um, – is looking at it this time and uh you know we we probably have a few more years before we see the next generation of car but you know these are things that they're being mindful of but i do hope that they get these cars off the ground a little bit um i i don't particularly like seeing them pinned to the racetrack like they are i want to see them up off the ground a little bit more in, in my opinion and also i posed a question to hud about uh you know nascar uh Rocketham Speedway has a new owner, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm aware that you're trying to get him to come on, too. He's been talking with NASCAR about trying to get a truck race or an Xfinity race there, too. And uh, I posed a question to uh, to uh, Hutt uh, Strickland about maybe bringing back, you know, your Rockinghams, your Wiltsboros and all that. And, and he is big in favor of trying to bring that back, Stephen. But then again, we've got to deal with NASCAR. Uh, we've got one of the longest seasons, like you and I have talked about, in uh, pro- professional sports, uh, how how do you add a Wiltsboro, a Rockingham, or both back to the schedule? You're going to have to take away from somewhere, Stephen. And I don't want to put you on the spot, but where do you think we should take away from to bring back your Wiltsboro and your Rockingham? Well, the honest answer is is you don't. Um, Neither one of these tracks stay, and you know, for as much as I'd like to be, you know, totally in the in the camp, or a, let's throw a cup race back at both of these events, or at both of these, um, you know, facilities, and uh, hopefully get some of the fans to come back. Um, that the the unfortunate answer to this is, and the uh, you know, completely objective answer to this is that it, it's just not going to happen. It can't happen. There's no way for it to happen. Um, and what I mean by this is, is that um, you know not only the not not only the tracks, but NASCAR, the 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 broadcasting partners, everybody has uh, locked this thing in to a point that you know there's very little movement that can happen within the schedule. There's always the there's also logistics too that that comes into play. That comes in, there's also oversaturation. That if you say that we're going to put two more races in the state of North Carolina. Um, you know, you, you, you've got three there at, you know, Charlotte Motor Speedway. Um, you'll have one at Wilkesboro, one at um, one at Rockingham, one at Darlington, one at two in Bristol, two in Martinsville, 
two in uh in, in Richmond, um two in Dover. Uh the mid Atlantic region, the oversaturation into it unfortunately wouldn't support something like that. And, and you know, these are some of the honest answers. The other answer that a lot of times people say, Well, you know, why don't why don't somebody just buy Wilson? Why don't they buy Rockingham and why don't they just move a uh uh, why don't they just move a, a date there? I said, you know, okay, well, that's fine. If you want to do that, then I hope you have a couple hundred million dollars because you not only need to buy Rockingham, you not only need to buy North Wilkesboro, you need to buy a racetrack that has a date and move it because otherwise you're never going to get a date there. The the on, the other honest answer to this is is that both of these tracks, I think if done right, and I've not studied Rockingham as closely as I have North Wilkesboro, but you have to – I think Dan, that is the new owner there at Rockingham, is on, he, he has the idea right. He's a little short on details, unfortunately, and some of the things that he has said is unfortunately not even true. Um, and what I mean by that is is that he, he's made some claims as to, you know, there are going to be certain events that are going to be run there. Um, the event – partner or the promoter of that event has said that there has been no movement of that event that the the event and what i'm talking about is carolina rebellion it's it's one of the uh largest rock festivals or is the largest rock festival in the carolinas um and the company that promotes it has um flat out said that you know they 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 don't have a date they're not they're not moving this they haven't uh been in they're in discussions with various different partners, but they there's nothing concrete. And uh, so um, for that, uh, you know, we can get into that conversation another day. But you know, he did he is right on some degree that Rockingham's only way to survive and the only path going forward. And the same case with North Wilkesboro, as it has to be a multi-purpose facility. Um, Charlotte runs over 100 non-motorsports events per year outside of NASCAR. Um, you're a track there. They have a country music festival. Daytona has a country music festival. Um, Darlington does multiple different events. Um, you know, uh, Martinsville, uh, Martinsville, uh, Bristol, every other track has now turned into a multi, uh, uh, a multi entertainment facility, meaning that they're just not holding races. They're not just holding motorsports today. They're holding other types of events to keep the doors open because that's the path forward. And for Rockingham and for North Wilkesboro to succeed is they would have to do that, and they would have to bring core motorsports events in. I think there are some core motorsports events that would work better at Rockingham than they would at Wilkesboro, and I think that there's some that would work better at Wilkesboro than at Rockingham. And those are key events that you've got to continue to run and you got to make that your centerpiece, but you got to make the other parts out there uh, as a multi-purpose facility, from concerts to fairs to drag shows to um, you know one-on-one drag shows to to anything and everything that you can possibly put in there. And with all that being said, Stephen, uh, could we possibly be looking at maybe some K and N stuff, uh, some NASCAR wheeling stuff at some of them tracks, just to sort of like you said, bring back the atmosphere, let NASCAR get a hold of the track, do some improvements and stuff like that. You know, I didn't really mean to say let's jump into a jump into Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series race at both Wilkesboro and uh, Rockingham, 
but sort of maybe gradually work our way up with some K&N stuff and some wound stuff, bro? Uh, I don't think the wound would ever work out very well there at Rockingham. It's, the track is just a little too big. I went to a K&N event there. Um, uh, I, I don't think it was as great as, you know, keeping it on a shorter track. I think they need to be on shorter tracks. Um, it was neat to see them run there. Unfortunately, I don't think that it was, you know, the most impressive event that I've, I think I've ever been to. Um, the Truck Series put on a great great um, race there. Could the Xfinity Series go there? Yeah, I think the Xfinity Series is a possibility of something going there. Um, I don't think Xfinity necessarily uh, would work out that great with uh, uh, North Wilkesboro. However, I do think the, the K&Ns, the Modifieds, the Trucks, um, some late models and stuff like that, some more short track style events would work there. Super late models, super modified, um, cars tour, uh, pass series, super late models, things like that. I think there's a lot of possibilities there. Um, with Rockingham being so big, um, late models can't go on that track because of the age restriction and the length of the racetrack. Same way with the modifieds, there's going to be some issues there. Uh, with the, with the not only the age but the length of the track too. Um, so for Rockingham, they're kind of limited in that aspect. Where Wilkesboro has some different and more unique opportunities that could close that gap and you know work with Rockingham, where Rockingham is is an Xfinity Series event and the Truck Series is another event on a weekend. So people in the Carolinas could go to an Xfinity Series event and a Truck Series event on the same exact weekend, a couple of hours apart. Uh, and that would draw some tourism in, in into the state. So you know, the, I think there's ways that they can work together, and I think that I think there's events that work better at one track versus the other. I would definitely agree. And Stephen, before we jump out of here, you know, we figured out this new call button, and uh, which you know, I I know your time is limited. You trying to get buttoned down, but uh, I'm going to call this. Uh, this number, it's uh, Scott Reavers, J.D. Motorsports. I know he's headed to, and I, we, we hadn't messed with this in a while, so I just want to, I want to play a joke on Reavers. I know he's headed out to Vegas. Let me see if he answers your phone. Hold on, bro. Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. Scott Reavers. Is not available. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. To leave a callback number, press 5. Scott. Hey, Scott. You in Vegas yet? I don't know how to hang it up, Steve. Let me find the phone. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> All right, Stephen, uh, uh, let's go ahead and get into... Uh, the series is heading to Las Vegas this weekend. Uh, I'll go ahead and start with Thursday, September the 13th. The Camping World Truck Series first practice is at 5.05 p.m. to 5 p.m. Camping World Truck Series final practice is 7.05 p.m. to 7.55 p.m. Then Friday, September the 14th. The Monster Energy Cup Series first practice is at 2.05 p.m. 2.55 p.m. will be on NBCSN. Xfinity Series practice 3.05 to 3.55 p.m. on Friday will be on NBCSN also. Xfinity Series final practice, 
5.05 p.m. to 5.50 p.m. will be on NBCSN. And the Camper Royal Truck Series qualifying will be on six. Will be at 6.05 p.m. on FS1. Then your Monster Energy Cup Series qualifying at 7.30 p.m. Uh, PRN has your radio. NBCSN has your TV. Uh, radio pre-race is 8.30 p.m. on MRN TV. Pre-race is 8.30 on FS1. Camper Royal Truck Series World of Westgate 200 will be 9 p.m. MRN has your radio, and FS1 has your TV. Stephen, let's know what's going on Saturday, brother. I don't mean to put you on the spot. I I, I don't have my computer in front of me tonight. I'm, I've been running okay. around. I haven't, I've been doing all this without. Okay. I'll go ahead and, I'll go ahead and do it. Uh, you know, like I said, I know you've been trying to get everything ready for Hurricane Florence, but Saturday, September 15th, the Monster Energy Cup Series second practice will be at 1 p.m. to 1.50 p.m. NBCSN is your TV. Xfinity Series qualifying, 2.10 p.m. on NBCSN, Saturday, September 15th. Also, Monster Energy Cup Series final practices at 3.30 p.m. to 4.20 p.m. NBCSN has your TV. And then your radio pre-races at 4.30 on PRN. TV pre-races at 4.30 p.m. NBCSN. And the Xfinity Series DC sold at 300 it's at 5 p.m. on PRN has your radio, NBC, as soon as your TV. And then Sunday, September 16th, kicking off kicking off the chase. Well, I keep calling it the chase. Kicking off the uh, whatever it is now. Kicking off the chase for the Monster Engine NASCAR Cup. So that's what I'm going to keep. Radio, pre-race, 2 p.m., PRN, TV. Pre-race, 1.30 p.m., NBC, SN, the Monster Energy Cup Series, South Point, 400. Is it 3 p.m.? PRN has your radio. NBCSN has your TV. And your MRN at the track station for the truck race is KRLV, AM 1340, and FM 98.9. And, Stephen, uh, I want to thank you again for coming on tonight. I want to thank Hutch Trippin for taking time out to come on also. And, uh, you know, we had mentioned about taking next week, next Tuesday off, but I'm going to try to do it. Uh, Reverend Joe's going to being in Las Vegas, so uh, pretty sure he has a lot he wants to talk about. I have a business trip. I'll be out of town, so I'm going to try to do that. But, Stephen, before we jump out here, let everybody know if they can follow you on social media and your website, brother. You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com, slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. Um, just a programming note for this weekend with the hurricane. Uh, don't expect too much stuff out of at least me. Uh, Brett Winningham is uh, outside of the storm area, so uh, he's in charge, and uh, so that's that's what we got going on. So everybody in the in the storm radio uh, in the in the storm radius, um, heed your warnings. Get ready to go, and um, if need be, and yeah. Stephen, you and AM, be safe up there. Take care of them two boys. Tell everybody we said hello, and I will be in constant cop contact with you and check in i will let you know if we're going to send a crew up like i said earlier we've got uh i know uh central alabama electric cooperative is sending four crews up your way and i know alabama power sending a bunch up there too but again i want to thank uh i want to thank you Stephen wilson i want to thank reverend joe i want to thank hutch Strickland for taking time out of his busy schedule to come in and we were we we will go live next tuesday uh, i have a business conference uh in south alabama but i will take everything with me and uh I'm sure Reverend Joe wants to talk a lot about Vegas, but until then, you can follow me uh, uh, at TD Lyman on Twitter, at Pit Stop Radio, 
on Twitter and check out my website. Uh, that Stephen Wilson host does a great job, Stephen. I appreciate that. Uh, PitchStopRadio.net. And until next Tuesday evening, we're going to say goodbye from the 2.66-mile monster we call Talladega Super Speedway. Stephen, y'all be safe, brother. I'll, I'll be checking in with you. We'll talk to y'all next Tuesday. <laughs> One more night, one more down, one more, one more round. First one in, last one out, giving this town lots to talk about. But they don't know, but they don't know. People say I got a drinking problem, that ain't no reason to stop.
is tradition. 